This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning, everyone. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Good morning, Elsie. Good morning. Well, what if somebody's listening at night? Hello, people. Well, then they or should know that you. it's morning How's it going? when we're recording. How are you, John? Tired. Yeah. You were up late uh, editing, right? Yeah. I was. Yeah. This is the earliest that I have to be down here to record. And um, my body's rejecting it. <laughs> oh, is it? My body's rejecting it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, how was your week so far, Elf? <laughs> Uh, pretty good, other than the fact that it's been very cold. But then again, it's cold relative to where I live, which is North Carolina, much closer to South Carolina than anything else. So even then, I mean, it's not that cold. It's cold, but not that cold because you guys have been doing it big Today's time. Today's huh? not that bad, but like Monday and Tuesday, I think we're like 12 degrees, right? 13 degrees. It's like pain. It was so painful. Is that the high or the low? That was the low. So it was like, no, that was the high on Monday, Tuesday. It was so painful. Kids were crying walking into school. All right. I got one for you. You know how cold it was in Saskatoon, <laughs> Canada? It how was cool. so cold in Saskatoon, Canada that Lisa and Sam, from I shake my head from Lisa and Sam, moved inside for the first time in two years Wow! to record a podcast something. because they normally record it in a car. Right. But it was negative 29 degrees Celsius there. <gasps> Oh my God, that's Celsius. cold, dude. That's so cold. That's brutal. So they actually had to move inside. That's how cold. And they really did not want to do that. The one time they almost killed themselves, they went to a parking garage, left the car on with the heater running, and they almost asphyxiated Oh my God, them. they almost asphyxiated themselves. Yes, they did. So I mean, that's really oh dying God. for your art, isn't it? That's a true artist. Yes. Yeah. That that would have made the news, podcasters. <laughs> Die. But well, recording but the Darwin podcast. Awards, though what? not the actual. News, I know but like that the was... stupid people oh. news. <laughs> they would finally became famous. They would have dedicated been... podcasters the die coverage. for their art. <laughs> Two too dumb much. Canucks asphyxiate themselves <laughs> in a car trying to make a podcast. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. It's ridiculous. Elsie, if you and I were going to die for our art, what would we be doing? What would we be doing? If we were going to die for our podcasting, how would we go? <laughs> this is a good question. If you guys um, are listening, write us and tell us how you maybe, would die for your art. I know exactly I mean, how it would, it would happen. It, how? It would be an elevator accident at a hotel at a major podcasting conference. Mm. Conference. Okay. I would it would probably be some like freak accident like with me trying to record in some obscure location and Something falls on her head. Yeah, something. Yeah, like something fell off of like the a chandelier. Roof or, but see, it's or, hard. Yes, it's got to wipe both of you out at the same time while leaving me oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, oh. that's true. Yeah, How about that would be, we that would be are tough. rushing? I have it. Elsie needs to go to what? Whole Foods, so we're <laughs> rushing from a conference, and we get in a car accident. That's exactly what. I'm, that's better than the elevator. Yeah, actually. that would be true. Like maybe we're trying to record in the car I'm as we're going. Dr- right. Right? I'm driving so too we're fast. fiddling with all the gear. Yes, right. I'm driving too fast because we've promised to be somewhere we don't want to be, and I'm right. driving fast because we were piddling and we were late because Elsie had to look at whatever they had in Whole Foods and show me all the things, and then I was speeding because you know Elsie doesn't. I'm driving because Elsie refuses to drive, <laughs> right. especially a car that she's never, especially like a foreign car, which would. Be, if we were together, it wouldn't be where we live. So, and it's all captured on Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be just awful. It would be it would horrific. Be um, I can't think of any other yeah. way that that we would die together. That would be as you know. Honestly, the only other thing I could think of is being stuck in some kind of weather storm with you. But I don't know why. But that just came to my head. Like Elsie and I would be stuck yeah. in a tornado and not know how to pre- be prepared for that. <laughs> just die. In a fiery 
either California wildfire or like a tornado? Hmm. Interesting question. Have you ever podcasted in a dangerous situation? I know how you would die for your art, John. Uh, I'd have a heart attack and fall over at the mic. I mean, that's a, la- a little less dramatic. I thought maybe the... Um, <laughs> I was thinking that the door to the dungeon would somehow be stuck shut and you would starve down there or lose water or have no food and water. I would fall down the steps coming down to the podcast. Oh, yes, that's it. You'll fall down the steps, hit your head on the banister. That's it. That's how I would go. And and that's your demise. Right. And then a month later, they would come in here and... A month later, your son would wonder why he hasn't seen you (laughs) in a while. I wonder how long it would take somebody to discover me. Would it be days or weeks? I would discover you. You think? I don't know. I would definitely. Here's the thing, though. I'm not involved. Like, I talk to you on a pretty regular basis. I mean, sure, Sam does, too. But does anyone have a contact other than you? Like, I'd have to actually drive to your house and check on you because I don't wouldn't know how to get in touch with anybody else to check on you. That's true. Yeah. I can't call the Jimmy. I can't call your kids. Like, I wouldn't know how to get in touch with anyone else except Sam, who's in Canada. I'd have to go drive and find you. That's true. So if you die for your art, I'm going to be the fucking one that finds you, whether it's me that figures it out or Sam. That's what's going to happen. You better not. Keep that door open, (laughs) goddammit. Okay. Keep that door open. Oh, my God. This has been a super fun and positive conversation so far. We have so much to talk about. Let's not dilly-dally, shall we? So many things. Yeah, let's dive into this. And I think I I have one bit of... Oh, let's just... Let's just move on to our news then. Yeah, let's talk about the news. The news you can use for the informed podcaster. Podcasting news. <laughs> so I, we actually were reached out to by APM Podcast here. The American Public Media is having an open call. So this is sort of like a PSA for all of you podcasters out there that are listening to us. American Public Media, Division of Minnesota Public Radio, is launching an open call for podcast pitches. They're looking for storytellers, producers, and new talent from a all backgrounds to join them in entertaining, educating, and connecting with people in new ways. So they are uh, looking for two to three new show ideas to develop into pilots and potentially full seasons, or at least six episodes. Um, And so you could be selected for their full season on American Public Media, and they will also provide marketing and PR support, uh, underwriting sales and membership opportunities, and the opportunity to collaborate, cross-promote, and learn from other APM podcast teams. So that's kind of cool. It looks like uh, they are looking for a few key traits for each of the pitches. Number one says that they need to be surprise us. So pitch us a well-defined show that's different than what we already make and different from what's already out there for the podcast listeners. Uh, number two, clearly define your show concept. You should be able to describe the overall concept of your show in a few sentences or less. Uh, number three, do more than entertain. We take our public service mission seriously and look for podcasts that not only engage but uh, people, but also provide a deep value to our audience. Understand who your audience is and while they'll listen, consider how your show might expand the diversity of public radio and podcasting and bring in new audiences. Number five, think long term. Can your show extend for at least a six episode season? And does the concept have a multi seasoning season potential? Number six, take risks. Are you a writer who has never worked in audio? Maybe you've been producing news but want to take on a longer project. Maybe you've never worked in media but have the best idea for an interview show. Take a chance with us. We're looking to build strong teams and around our strong talent. Uh, and it looks here that submissions will be accepted from January 15th to February 15th, 2019. And the link will be in the show notes, people. Link in the show notes. And so there's a direct link to the submission form and all that stuff. So if you're into this kind of thing, please go ahead and do that. American Public Media. I'm actually How about that? developing a show for that. I'm pitching a show. I'm not developing. I'm cool. I'm working it with someone here locally to develop a show that will be pitched for this. It's the perfect thing for American public media. I have no idea what my involvement will be other than the idea. I came up with the idea right. with, with this person and we're going to 
it's in the realm of addiction. And so we're going to flush it out together on Monday, write the pitch up and then send it in and see what happens. Do they understand the firestorm that they just started? Are they ready for the avalanche of I mean, stuff that's coming in? I hope that people read the pitch and understand that if it's just a comedy show about beer and farts, that they won't pitch because it's American yeah. public media. So it's got to be about like, you know, just watch the local NPR and HYY. It's like that shit. Right. Do you know podcasters? I do know podcasters. Yeah, but the They're thing idiots. is, though. I'm just saying. Did you not hear, though, the, the numbers, though? That, that's what I said. Like, they have, like, you know, this is one, two, three, four, five. Like, I would think that people would read that and just say, like, oh, I need to. I mean, even just asking podcasters to describe their show in one and two sentences, that's like. That's hard. That's a deal breaker. Yeah, right it eliminates it's a deal them. breaker. <laughs> so, w- w- no, I'm serious. Like, I know, that's, that's like, why it's funny. That's essentially it. So. It's not, um, if you read that, you'll know that if you're going to have to put the information in there, and also as somebody who's on the other end of things, if somebody comes in there and you say, can you say your, you know, give your podcast pitch in a couple of sentences, and then when I open up the thing, it's got three separate paragraphs, like that to me immediately is a, I skip it. You know what I mean? If if you have yeah. rules and uh, and you're expecting a way in which you need to submit this, if somebody breaks that and expects that, I'm just going to write an essay for you and tell you how this is so important. That immediately tells me that you're not willing to abide by these boundaries that we're giving here and will be overlooked because you have to understand. It immediately goes into the circular filing cabinet. The suck pile. Absolutely. Right. Suck pile. So anyway, if any of you guys want to go ahead and- Don't get into the suck pile. Talking about the, what did you say, call it? The suck pile? Yeah. Don't get in the suck pile. Okay. Because um, you were writing essentially about a lot of things being in, in the suck pile, which takes <laughs> us to our next bit of news here, that you uh, published a, an article for Rebel Base Media, which is all about your top 10 list are harming the podcasting industry, which kind of goes along with that. So It does go along with the suck pile for sure. Is it the article that sucks or what's in the article no. that sucks? The, did you read? I guess you didn't read the article. I so did artic- read the article. You did? How dare you? I'm not, hey, you're a busy man. Don't let me, it's not an insult. Um, I, yeah, I, the article does not, I don't think Elsie thinks my article sucks. Do you, Elsie? Because that's not nice of you. No, didn't. no, no. I'm saying that the suck pile is like what she was talking about. These top 10 lists are harming the podcasting industry. That's the suck top pile, right. the top 10 lists. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, I wrote it a while ago and it's mostly about, I don't know, something got a, bu- I got a bug up my, a bee in my bonnet about just at around New Year's, I kept seeing Forbes top 10 podcasting, BuzzFeed top 10 podcasting. They were all the same shows. And then I was like, do they ever talk about any shows? So I looked up best podcast 2017, best podcast 2016. And they were mostly the same. So I was like, how can these people talk about discoverability being an issue for podcasting when they are telling the general public that there are really only 10 things to listen to? It makes no sense. And I know from going to work at that time that the reason they're doing that is because they all have worked in media and journalism for a long time. So they have connections at Forbes and New York Times and BuzzFeed and everywhere else. They're all based in New York. And so they're all going to just keep promoting the same people they went to college with and worked with, et cetera. And so I just kind of wanted to point it out like, hey, you keep patting yourselves on the back, but you're really not doing anybody, even you, any favors. It's laziness. Mm-hmm. It's all laziness. I mean, but it's very common. So I don't know that they realized it was lazy. It's just so it's just so commonly done that it's lazy. You know, like like podcast movement when it first when podcast movement first started, I would say the first two years were mostly speakers that knew Jared and Dan. Would you say, Elsie? I mean, that's a fair thing to do at first because you don't know other people. But then if you're going to but then you have to step it up. If they had continued to do that for the next seven years, it would be a problem. You can do it the first two years, and then after a while, you have to be like, you know, maybe I should branch out past Pat Flynn and see what else is out there. (laughs) No, but you know what? Hey, so speaking of this, though, Jess, like, you have to remember that the first podcast movement when we went in in there, we, I think, as podcasters, at least for me, was like, ooh, this has legs, meaning this feels good. Like, I really like the way that this feels, but we were also saying 
only the the only people that you guys are showcasing, the only people that are keynoting, the only panels that we see here are all entrepreneurial type business podcasts. Like there was zero representation right. of any other genres. And so it was a little so that was like the part that was like, well, if this is going to continue and you guys really want it to work, you do need to see all of these other things. And to their credit, yeah. they did. You know, and, and some of the people who weren't going to be featured anymore stopped coming. Like Srini. Okay. Did you notice? Like Srini hasn't been since he hasn't, since he. Dude, but also, I don't care because. I don't care either. I'm just saying it's interesting. No, what I'm saying is like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, I wouldn't consider, I don't think he leads with I'm a podcaster. He's a creative. He He writes books. He does other things, you know? So it's like, why would you show up? I don't even know who he is. It's like. Srini does the I'm a yeah, so creative uh, and years and years ago right. he was like one of the few podcasters that was like ma- having a huge audience maybe you should start coming back because I've never heard of him and I've been yeah. doing this for a while well well see that's yeah. the thing it's like it doesn't matter that you haven't heard of him though John what matters is that he's not really doing any work inside of the podcasting space specifically and that's what he drives like I mean that's what he, yeah, he right. leads with it's sort of like what I tell to other podcasters, like in all honesty, if there are some podcasters, like maybe even like Stacey Sims from the Diabetes Connections, if if truly what her focus is in growing her show and she only has one conference to attend a year, I probably wouldn't tell her to attend Podcast Movement. I tell her to attend a diabetes conference. The biggest diabetes conference in her own niche would be more beneficial to her than attending podcast movement. Absolutely. And she does that. She goes all over. So I, of course she does. But what I'm saying is like, that's, that's what it is. It's like, if she stops coming to podcast movement, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be like, Oh, Stacy, you need to do that. No, because we each have our own place to grow and to expand into. And, and, and there's a lot of like self congratulations in the same spot in the same vein that you're uh, sharing Jess that it's like we do need to expand we do need to be elsewhere we do need to be in mainstream conferences that aren't talking about podcasting in general and that actually addresses your need as well that uh, the the same thing with uh, you know with the journalists it's the same crap it's like even with the news, though, I mean, it's not just to podcasting, unfortunately. Anytime any news organization right now is covering something, they generally cover something that somebody else covered. Right. And they just put the sort of like a co- uh, they just have a new title and they report on the original article. But nobody ever does any more journalism around that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So there actually is just a brand new scathing article on medium about podcon this guy sean howard oh, no. it's called an end to gatekeepers and audio fiction it was a um there's an excerpt in today's pod news that just says we've allowed a vocal few to shun so many nascent creators into silence or embarrassed reluctance to participate in meetups or conferences all from simply using a form of storytelling that someone didn't find appropriate or having the gall to declare their live play a piece of audio fiction this is bullshit if it's audio and fictional, it's audio fiction, and you have just as much right to feel pride in what you've created as any other audio creator. And then apparently he saw something like this happen at PodCon 2. Beautiful and talented artists were uncertain if they qualified to attend an audio drama event, or they were afraid to pitch their show because it might not qualify. This is a problem for our industry. It's permeated so many levels of our created communities and individuals. I mean, this kind of is a, it's a very niche example, but it is an example. Like, why, why wouldn't they yes. be good enough? Why do they feel like it's not good enough? Because it's not NPR quality. But what if it is? Right. Right. Just because it's not in a studio doesn't mean it's not worthy. It Mm -hmm. sucks. Exactly. That's, yep. That's the other conversation that I think that absolutely has the relevance here. You know, and I I actually spoke about that up on, on Twitter when it came to, you know, making decisions about money, because that's always the conversation in podcasting, that it's always like every article on podcasting is usually um, framed around, number one, how much money is coming into the space and how many more advertisers are coming into the space. And then they use examples like, you know, Gimlet or the NPRs of the world or WNYC or any of those that are sort of like a little bit more highly produced. Mm -hmm. Um, But then nobody really ever talks about how impactful those smaller podcasters are out there with the communities. And some of them have really crappy audio. (laughs) 
<laughs> Some of them, you know, don't have the best Let's not editing. Discuss them. Because John will get twitchy. But I'm already twitching. No, I know. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, in the same vein, though, it's they still have impact. I'm not saying that you have to stay. All I'm saying to is that everybody, you know, levels up at their own pace. And a little bit at a time, we can support each other to continue, but it doesn't diminish the impact that they're having on their communities. It does not diminish that. And even for those of us who are, you know, that's my one of my biggest things is to really empower those people to really up their game in terms of just a simple, like, get a slightly better audio, like just slightly better audio, it'll do wonders for you. But in doing that, I'm not dismissing their content. I'm not saying it's not good enough because you're not doing all these edits in the middle of it and you're not having random narration come in there and you're not telling a story because there's a lot of people who don't who don't do that. Um, you know, one of the uh, shows that you used as an example in your article, Jess, which was Native Opinion. So Native Opinion is about, it's a, it's a show about the indigenous people news in the United States and it's done by two indigenous men who are reporting on this, uh, on all of the news of what they call Indian country. And they call themselves this in, within the episode a lot. And they just deliver everything through the lens of that. It, hence the name Native Opinion. It's over two hours sometimes, this show. it's it's And there is no like real quick edits. I mean, they literally are like, okay, now we're going to be moved to the next bit of news. And you can hear them opening up, you know, articles, you can see that they're like moving their eyes somewhere else. This is not meant to be pristine edited, pristine as in like pristine content. Their audio quality is great for what they're doing. And over two hours of communication around um, Indigenous people news might probably bore a lot of different people. In fact, most people would be like, why don't you just cut it down to like an hour? <laughs> but for the audience that they have, they love it. And mm. it's relevant. So why? You know what I mean? It's it, you're not their audience, dude. So I have my soapbox at the ready here because I think there's two different things. One thing is audio quality. And the other thing is editing content for listenability. And I say, okay, if you don't have to really edit content for listenability at first, because that's a little bit tougher, but it's very easy and not too expensive to have radio quality audio with a $50 mic and a computer in your house. And I think that that is, you know, you want to be able to have your audience hear you. The worst thing ever is when you you have uh, audio that is either so low that you cannot listen. You have to jack your radio up so loud to get it. And then if you're listening on your phone, there's only so loud and you can't hear it. You got the speaker up to your ear and people are not going to do that. So I just feel that just with a couple simple lessons. All right. I would say $100 worth of software, a $50 microphone and a laptop. And you could sound like any radio station out there. And nobody's Absolutely. teaching that. And even the people that want to know don't know where to go to find it. Right. And also, just as a note, Native Opinion does have above average audio production. It is a very well produced show. So it's not like that. Yeah. If that was a topic I was interested in, I wouldn't care that they were shuffling papers and going to the next story because it's something I want to hear about. I'll accept poor editing if the sound quality is good. But if the sound quality is bad, it really doesn't matter how well it's edited because it's right. hard to hear. And I also, you know what, though, I also challenge the poor editing aspect of things, too, because that's a first pass kind of thing. And then sometimes and here, here's the other thing, too. There are a lot of shows that are growing steadily, have a really strong audience. They're not nitpicky about their editing. Sometimes they don't do very many. Their audio production is great. The hosts are very professional. They just don't take... You know, like they don't do that extra thing, right? They don't do the extra sort of like layer of like removing all these pauses and stuff like that. And maybe they do it artistically and that's fine too. The thing is that there's no one size fits all. And what we tend to do as podcasters, and I just saw this happen inside of She Podcast as well. There are some of us, and John, the reason that we're as good as we are or as sleek as we are with a lot of the things that we do is because you spend the time to cut out all of those bits and pieces, right? To do all these things for us. If Jess and I happen to, you know, like, let's say you're moving on, you can't really help us anymore. It's now just Jess and I, 
we're doing this again. There's going to be a point where I'm not going to sit there and do all of the stuff. I will do my best. But in order for us to continue podcasting, I'm going to have to make some decisions that are going to be based on our ability to get things done. And if sitting around and doing that extra editing, even if it's 30 minutes, one hour of my life, if that's going to stop me from doing the podcast, I'm not going to do it. And I think each one of us needs to understand what that's like. And we each have to be okay with making that decision because there's no, because then what's going to happen if somebody comes in and goes like, you can't continue she podcast unless you, you become super streamlined. Then what yeah, it's going to make Jess and I feel is like I'm not good. I'm not good enough for this anymore. I it does, this isn't fun anymore. I'm just going to quit, and I don't want that. True, you know, I don't want that. This is a little bit of a change of subject, and I, I I'm just going to go on a rant for just a second, and because, we can always cut it out, huh? <laughs> Muffet. <laughs> Because you're talking about being yeah. told we're good enough. You're talking about, you know, there are a lot of people that are audience funded. And I mean, Dave Jackson yes. had an article in the Business Journal about who's actually making money with their podcast. And then he sends you to um, the website where you can see the rank of people who are making money on Patreon. And like number five, I'm just going to put it out there. Okay. Y'all take it for what it's worth. Number five is a show called. Come town. It's C U M. Come town. Most of their patrons, 9,500 patrons, are paying them $5 a month. They make $42,000 a month. We have a Facebook group of 12,000 women. We make almost $400 a month. And I feel a little bit like I don't want to change our logo to look like come on someone's face in order to make that kind of money. Well, you shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to, but I just like, I looked at that and I was just like, so come town is freaking it in, but Elsie and I are working our tits off for 400 bucks. What are they crazy? All right. So the, the show come town, I've listened to it before and it's, you know, it's a niche show and people love that show and I can't listen to it. It's unlistenable to me. That's fine because that's what they do. And they've uh, monetized their audience, and I don't know. Maybe I don't even know enough to know what other extras they give. I don't uh, know. I'm going to tell you. Hold on. What do they give? Come town, C U M town, and the logo is revolting. Five dollars just gets them premium episodes. You know, for five dollars, Elsie and I offer a select private group where we answer whatever questions you throw at us personally, and we do it once a week at a dedicated time. But then we also are just in there helping personally. $5 a month, not a week, not a day, a month. $1.25 a week. I sound a lot angrier than I am. What I'm trying to say is it would be so cool if like I would I would just be so honored to be on that list and feel like I'm giving something equal of value to these people. Because when I was like the cum boys talk about whatever they talk about and they rake it in and then Elsie and I curate content, give our opinion, work really hard and like $400 like. Is it possible that any of you listening right now could find it in your hearts to give us the five? You don't even have to join the super squad if you don't want to. But five dollars a month, if you're a regular listener of the show or if you're regular in the group, it's so little. But collectively, it would mean so much to us, you know, anyway. So I just posted that in the group. But like I posted that in the group about come town because I was just like, how come these guys? (laughs) What, What do we have to do here? You ladies? No, but see, but here's the thing too, though, Jess, we haven't been talking about our Patreon forever. We just no, started to do the Q&A with the Super, Sky, the Super Squad. We just started to do all that kind of stuff. There's I been know. other things, obviously, that we've been focusing in on. Yes, the thing is, is that I, you know, there are so many different people also that I follow that give me a lot of value and I still haven't gotten my wallet. Like I'm still like sitting there going like, I have to, I have to give these guys money. Like I have to do it. I have to do it. And I haven't done it. I think that we, we must number one, remind people, but at the same time, it's like. Way to encourage people though, Elsie. No, but I understand I'm the same way. I'm the same way as Elsie. I'm not going to guilt people into giving us money. That's just I'm not, not the thing. I'm not trying to guilt you know? people. There's, I just don't no, want to be behind well, come town. That's what I'm saying. It's got nothing no, to do with but that our, everybody. That our, it doesn't have to do with our audience being assholes. I just feel it hurt my feelings a little bit that come town was doing so much of a better job. That's what, that's all I'm saying. But the thing is also that 
that is totally not unusual. I know. Meaning that that kind of why do you think the you know porn industry is so powerful? Why do you think that they've literally been the innovators in almost any practice online? Is that a porn? It's show? because pe- that's that's a big need. Yeah, absolutely, go ahead and start to find out. Like they are the ones that are innovators in so much in the industry, especially in the way that they market. Oh, wait, what do you think started the, the idea of being? No, it's not. I'm sorry. What? No, Come Town's not, not about porn. Not no. about porn. No. But it's about sex, is it not? Uh, no. No, it's just a comedy show oh, like any yeah. other. It's a bunch of... Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, it's... Yes, thank you. Well, then I'm wrong. Then I'm totally wrong. It's Can just... you feel me now? Right. So it's about what? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's not... It's nothing. It's about nothing? It's a comedy show about stupid shit that they think up every week. Same as any other... It's like a hangout podcast where guys get together and talk about... Yeah, it's like my comedy whatever. show. It's no different. Just called something revolting and the other thing is that they might have got in at the time where people were looking for shows and there wasn't as many shows as there are it's very hard to be discovered now than it was a uh, 10 years ago you know if you were podcasting in 2008 it was a lot easier to get discovered than it is in 2018 thank you anchor Oops, did i say that out loud oopsie Okay, so here's the other thing too though what we're seeing is just the other side of the like we're just seeing the money we're not seeing how how long it took them to get to that point. We, we're not seeing maybe the, the fact that they've been doing this type of thing, like a Patreon type thing, since Patreon started. You don't know if they uh, also got in right at the beginning when it came to that kind of stuff, where it's the listener-supported kind of stuff. Because like people like Keith and the girl have obviously been doing this since the inception. They were yeah, like people who were already doing membership, things like that, That's so true. that they are making that money. It is not a, We don't have the insight as to how long it took for them to do that that kind of stuff. You only have the end product. And even though we've been around since 2014, we started our Patreon right around that time, but we never really ever talked about it ever. I mean, once in a while we'd come in and go like, oh yeah, we have a Patreon. That's right. There's a podcast out there. The it's called I Doubt It with Dollamore. It's a left-leaning, liberal-leaning podcast that goes over news stories and all. And they have a very passionate group of people and I like to show but what they do is they have where once a month, a certain level of Patreon, they hang out one night, you know, in Zoom where they have a thing where they get in there and the people can ask them questions. It's an ask me anything. That's and, a good idea. I would like to do that. Right. But they have a lot of different things that add value that if you're a fan of the show, you're like, oh, you know what? I want to I'll pay ten dollars a month just to go to that. Ask me anything. And it's like a couple of hours. They sit there. They have a, you know, they're having some drinks and they're just talking to their audience. Are they men? No, it's a uh, husband and wife team. It's a really do good show. They have children? No, they do not have children. That's why they can hang out at night for three hours. Okay, yes, that's why they <laughs> can hang out at night. Yes, that's true. Because Elsie and I would have to do it at noon on a Tuesday because that's the only time our children aren't up our asses. Fig- yeah. Like, not figuratively. I understand that. <laughs> my kid tried to climb back in my shirt and sleep there last night. M- my point was that they give added value that you would pay for that's we not even do. part of the podcast. We do that, but maybe we need to do more, Elsie. Well, the thing is, too, that's like you can't let this lead. You know, you have to do it to the point where it's kind of where it's worth it for you. You can't just keep on adding all of this extra stuff and then not be able to deliver it. I mean, there's been so many people that have done that as well, where they started Patreons. If you do this, you'll get this. If you do that, you'll get that. And do you understand if you tell somebody they're going to get X if they do Y and then you don't do X? Then people get pissed. Right. Because a lot of people are doing it just for that. I'm not fire festivaling our audience. Right. I understand that. All I'm saying, though, is that. I'm not promising the Bahamas and giving them a cheese sandwich. No one's doing that. I think that there's a reason for levels, meaning like, you know, right now we're around $400 to be able to say, hey, when we hit, um, let's say, you know, $700 or $750, we'll be able to then allot the money for X amount for this. And then we'll also start to work on delivering X and Y to you. So then there's a goal. And then that way it makes it worth us because then we can go like, oh, we're getting X amount of money. Now it makes it worth our time. I mean, how much do we charge for a, for a, a session, Jess? Right? So if you think about it, if we are now getting X amount for each one of our, like an hour of our time, now that actually is paying us 
to create this content. And not one person's going to get the benefit. Many are. But it doesn't, it's not about me going like, okay, if you're a $10, you get X. We should figure out what our full expenses are. Like, what would it cost us to take care of MailChimp and Patreon, everything we do, and pay John? What? And pay us each a d- an hour of time. That's what we should really figure out. That's our goal. That should be our goal for Patreons. Like, how do we break even? How do we pay and John? And not be in the hole one time. Right. And so then how, how do we do this kind of thing? Like, so how do we break even? How do then we add the ability for us to be in the She Podcast group for, um, let's say, two hours, I don't a know, week. like five hours a week, Yeah, five hours a week paid for us? Like, what would that take so yeah. that we can then continue to further the conversations in there in a more moderated way, right? Yeah. To be able to offer even more value, to be able to to give people more stuff, all of that kind of stuff so that it actually allows for people to look forward to something being created. Because I don't think it's smart to just start off with the tiers of the definition of what you're going to be putting out, meaning the $25 a month people get one hour of my you know, one hour private, whatever hour with both you and I, but it would be something like once we get X amount, as in whatever that goal is, then we're going to be able to do that for everybody, not just for the X amount. And then of course, there's going to be people that are going to be in the tiers where we can actually do something extra special for them or this, you know, the She Podcast Super Squatters or whatever, all that kind of stuff. They do get like that extra attention. But if we get to that goal, then it just gives us the opportunity to do that. And you have to talk about it. You do have to talk about it. The more that we've been talking about it lately, the more that we've been getting people that have signed up and it's been great. I I know it can be totally frustrating, but... I just have one quick question. So as a podcast listener, like you are, and as I am, Mm -hmm. I have a certain amount of money that I donate towards podcasts. And I'm going to tell you flat out what it is. It's $30. $30 a month is what I dole out to podcasters. And that's all I can afford. So I try to give who the shows that I appreciate to. I mean, it's hard sometimes to do more than that or something like that. So how much do you think that people listening, is there a, I'm not saying a limit, but like, what do you think would be just a a normal amount of money that you would donate to the podcast that you listen to? I currently am donating $15 a month to producers myself. I think I'm going to take that up to $30 a month um, here very soon. I'm just allocating some funds and stuff. And that's like for some of the shows that I want to to support. How you allocate that money, I think it's up to you how you do it. Because I do feel like there are times where I'm like, oh, there's these people and then there's these people. And I think what's been making the decision for me is that for somebody like me, and I may be slightly different, for somebody like this, for me, I really tend to donate for not for the bonus. Like I don't want anything extra. Like you can't sell me on the extra stuff. What you can sell me on is um, your mission. So if the mission statement of the producers is something that resonates with me, I'll I'll give you money. I don't care what you do. Like there's a couple of people that I just donate to just because I just want them to keep doing what they're doing. I don't listen to the show. I don't. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't want any part of the extra stuff. I just want to okay. donate money to you because I really appreciate what you're doing. Um, and I also appreciate the larger mission. There is one show that I um, that I definitely do because I listen to it every single day and I feel like, oh my God, it's time for me to donate, fuss up for this stuff. And then the other show, I do actually want the extra, there's an extra episode that comes out that I really want, really, really Really, really want that. Want it? And that's what's been pushing me. Yeah. And I hate the fact that they often publish it on the feed, like 15 minutes of it. And then they go, here's the conversation that we had about this thing. Um, if you want the rest of it, you have to be part of the premium, whatever, you know, donating thingy-majigger. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is driving me crazy. <laughs> I want the rest of this. So it, it's working. Because I want to hear. Yeah, it's, it's working mm-hmm. because now it's a tease. They've teased you a little bit. They've tickled your. Totally. They've tickled your butt with a feather, and now they. Totally. Yeah, now hate you're that. I hate that visual. I know. So, yeah. So I, I just think that I, as podcast listeners, as we start to get more involved and more passionate about the shows we listen to, because there's some shows that I'm real. I can't wait for them to come out. I'm like, oh, a new show just came in, boom, and then I go right to it. They're the people are the ones yep. that'll pry the money out of my wallet. Those are the people, and to me too, I think that there's a reason for that too. 
Except I have to be absolutely honest about that kind of stuff where it's like, they keep coming to me and even though they keep asking and I consume them and I love the show, I still haven't taken my wallet out. And I've been, I've been a loyal listener for two years. Mm. So it's people like me who are love podcasters, who support podcasters. There is still a resistance, I think, for us to take our wallet out and put our money down for something like this, particularly for, I think for me, maybe it's because it's been for so long, like I've never really done this before. And it's like way back in the day, like uh, you just PayPal money for somebody, there wasn't really a membership kind of thing. And I also start to think about it from the perspective of how many little $5 accounts do I have everywhere? Not just for podcasters, but for, I have to pay for this thing. I have to pay for that other thing. I have to pay for this thing. And everything is a, is a monthly thing. Mm-hmm. Even apps now have monthly subscriptions. Right. So it's like, when is it going to stop? I mean, I, honestly, it's like all of these little bits and pieces of money going out. And that, to be honest, that's what's been keeping me. If I were able to, and in, for this new podcast that I was talking about that I'm like, I want that extra bonus feature. What they do is they offer a monthly thing, but they also give you a year thing. And I'm much more apt to do like a $45 or $50 a year or 55 a year or something like that as a one-time thing than for me to be having little bits of money taken out of my monthly thing. Like it feels better for me to do that. So I can like... Maybe podcasters should offer that more because I'm the same way. I'd rather give you $60 and see you next year than $5 Mm -hmm. a month where it comes out. Also, my Patreon thing I'm the opposite. I like breaking it all up. I don't want to commit to a year because I always change my mind on stuff. Well, that's why it's chocolate and vanilla. Yep. Yeah, I just rather I'd rather do it that way, because then I can allocate the funds for that. And what ends up happening is that those little five dollar, it's really hard to keep a track of all of those little tiny bits of of things that you're a member of. And then it ends up being a lot more than you think it is. And so what podcasters do, too, is they give you a deal for the yearly, of course, as as most apps out there do. If you buy a yearly thing, it's like, you know, $10 a month. But if you buy it month to month, it's $15 a month. So that gives you an incentive for you to commit to the year. And I don't mind. I don't mind that at all. It helps me better, meaning the the consumer better. I don't know how good it is for the other side of things, because that means that maybe one month it's going to be like, I don't know, $1,000 because everybody did that. And then the rest of the month, like you don't know how much you're going to get monthly you know, for, for that breakdown. Hmm. So you would have to be smarter about how you're allocating those funds for yourself. But anyway, that's, I just like that better. I like the idea of donating or even just one time, like doing 20, I can give $25 to she podcasts. That's it. Interesting. And have that be enough. Mm -hmm. I prefer that. I prefer that uh, other than a month, because I think that's been a deterrent for me. With a lot of things, is that um, that commitment? I'm not sure. I want I want another monthly subscription or whatever. So, tomato, tomato. All right. This is our, why we're all beautifully different. <laughs> so, I would like to do some. Uh, so the last bit of news here that dude Facebook has a podcast. How about that? Does it steal your information? Yes. Oh, I know people. People were like, totally. Ah, that's a good one. That was the joke that I, I saw from most people when we put it in there. And then, you know, what's really interesting, though, the fact that so Facebook proper, like actual Facebook is putting a podcast out. And then obviously the most people are like, are they going to steal your information? Is it going to be private? All that kind of gotcha. stuff. And I think part of the reason that Facebook is starting this is because podcasts are usually sort of like the way in which you can connect intimately with larger companies. And it really is one of the best ways for you to kind of put a human, literally the human voice, and have it be not just an entity like Facebook, but that this is actually, these are human beings. So it's not a company podcast like my podcast, The Feed, the official Lipson podcast, where we kind of lead with the fact that this is a Lipson podcast. We often talk about Lipson features and all that kind of stuff. This is a shorter, highly edited interview show of entrepreneurs <laughs> because, <laughs> because, you know. What a concept. Why not? Right. 
I know. And so it, it says like it's like a focused on entrepreneurship. So maybe it is going to expand into not just talking about specifics or specific entrepreneur, but maybe the entire what that is, right? Yeah, it's called Three and a Half Degrees, The Power of Connection. So that's the name of the show. Three and a Half clever, Degrees, clever. The Power of Connection. The first episode is with Tom's founder, Bill, what I forgot, what is his name? Blake, something or other. Um, Shelton? But they have that there. And no, no, not Shelton. That's that's not the founder of Tom's. Uh, so you guys should check it out. I mean, I guess. Uh, but this is actually going to be leading us into some tool tips that I actually really want to oh talk about. Oh, my God. How about it? Elsie's Tool Tips. So they did hire a company to kind of take care of their podcast, to produce it and all this kind of stuff. So they do have somebody that is doing their show. And this company published a blog post called Nine Marketing Lessons for Podcasters Inside the Strategy of Facebook's New Podcast. Because that was my first question. I was like, okay, so Facebook is publishing a podcast. Can we talk about, before we get into this article, how easy it is to share a podcast episode, a.k.a. audio, on podcast? On Facebook. On, on Facebook. Sorry. You think it's easy? I think it depends on your media host if they can give you a player or not. But that's actually not true because when you put up any of the players that you see in Facebook are not audio players. They are video. So they're transcoded video. They're kind of all essentially an audiogram. Some of the players look like an audio player, but they're all video players. So just go ahead and look at the code, especially when you see something that looks like an actual audio and you press it and it presses play and all that kind of stuff. Usually it's a video file. That is that. That's not an audio. It is not an actual player. But anyway, the only reason I'm saying that is because most people don't know how to share it. Unless you have seen somebody share really well a podcast on there where you're just like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen, the way that this is shared. How about on Instagram? Can you share a link? No. In Instagram? Okay. So all I'm saying is like, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how Facebook is going to do it, right? Um, and so I've been I'm watching. Curious. I've been it watching looks like what they've one been doing. big spin so far. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So we're going to break down some of these lessons and see if this is something epically transformative in marketing a podcast. How about this? Okay, so lesson one, the show shouldn't be explicit marketing for your product or services. That's not really marketing, though. I don't think that that's a lesson in marketing your podcast. Or am I wrong? That's a lesson in content production. I got this whole fry documentary in my brain now is that whole fry right. thing started because this was to promote a app and yeah. yeah and the app was completely way in the background where no one even knew why they were doing it, it was just it all became about the event and no one even right right so that's the same thing here like facebook to me instead of doing an interview show with entrepreneurs why wouldn't they just do about all the connections that people have made through facebook and tell that story about a stepbrother who found their their family and you know, stuff like that. There's all these great stories, believe it or not, through Facebook. And why not tell those stories? Well, that's interesting. All I'm saying, though, is that it, this doesn't feel to me, I mean, as a lesson one for marketing your podcast, though, meaning like nine marketing lessons, that the show shouldn't be explicit marketing for your products and services. I don't think that that's a marketing lesson. I think that's a content strategy. But why can't tip. you do that? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, podcasts are perfect for Yeah, that. you can totally do that. But w what I'm saying to you, though, is that, that it's not a marketing lesson. It's a strategy. It's a content strategy. Oh, okay. Con like, it's how you create, you know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. I'm creating a show. Do you want it to be like an infogra infogram? Or do you want it to be like a storytelling type podcast? Or do you want it to be an interview show? Like, that's a content strategy conversation. It's not how to market your podcast. I see what you're right? saying. I'm sorry. I'm a little slow. Does that on make the sense? Yeah, I'm slow on the uptake here. It's It's early. Right. No, no. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It's like if I'm going to be giving tips to people about how to market their podcast, their existing podcast, I'm not going to be telling them what needs to be the content of their show. 
that's a whole other consultation, like right. how to develop the proper podcast for your brand. Right. And the second one, second lesson isn't a marketing thing either. It's more of a technical thing. Right. Use the medium for what it's designed for and turn audio into video. So they're talking about how to market an audio show in a new medium. Then you need to transform whatever the audio is to abide by the rules of the platform that you're sharing into, which makes sense. And I think people do that a lot because it's the only thing you can do with a visual medium like Instagram is that you have to either create a video or create an Instagram story of some kind um, with little tidbits of how to listen to a show. So what do you think, Jess? You know, I'm very... Because of the fire Festival, I feel like everything I see is fake. I'm having a hard mm-hmm. time believing anything that I see, like especially with big companies like Facebook. Like, I don't agree that. I mean, I totally think that their whole point of their podcast should be to help people feel better about Facebook. But I just want it to be real so much. Does that make sense? Now that I've seen both uh-huh. those documentaries, like everything I see on Instagram and Facebook, like I feel like I'm being lied to 24 hours a day, and I just don't want to. I don't want to be lied to anymore. And I feel like Facebook is the number one liar of all the liars. They're so much worse than Fire Festival because they're, they're unstoppable. And they actually have money. <laughs> As and they actually to have what? McFarland, who has zilch. They actually have money. Yeah. They actually have oh, the money right. to put behind whatever they're... <sighs> I don't know. So then what you're saying is, can you really market an audio podcast on Facebook because it's not video and the same thing with Instagram because you're not using the video element to it and that's what the, the platform is. Instagram is pictures and video. It's harder to market an audio podcast on those platforms. Maybe. Yes. The point is that if they have an audio podcast, they'll make it easier to market one. That would be cool. Right. Like, that would be cool. They'll but as figure out as what I'm a pain seeing... in the ball sack it is to promote our podcast and then they'll make it easier because they have one. Yeah, right. Yeah. The bottom line here, though, is the fact that what the tools that they're sharing here are not new. And they're actually, there are some people, because I've been looking at their, uh, I've been following their Instagram account, like I'll go periodically go in there. And they're curating it very nicely. I mean, they're making like these beautiful little plates. And they are, they have the copy, you know, like, hey, in the next episode of is dropping on Monday, and then it's inspiring. And then they tag the people that are coming on. And then they say that they have some really amazing words of wisdom for all entrepreneurs. Subscribe at the link in the bio. You don't want to miss this, which is essentially a clone of what you see on Instagram from almost every podcaster. Right. And most of our podcasters do it better than this. (laughs) So um, (laughs) I guess I wanted to look at this because when I just read, I was underwhelmed when I read these nine things here. I was just like, uh... Have you checked out some of the podcasts out there that are doing like insanely amazingly on Instagram? How great they're doing? And the answer is no, uh, because they're Facebook and they just feel like they I, just. I, yeah, they yeah haven't I haven't really looked. seen Facebook's marketing of their podcast. I forgot they even had one until you put this up. Well, one thing where I do really. Okay, so I, I'm not going to even look at the ones that I don't really like. I've seen ads on Instagram, but they were in Instagram stories and I've ignored them mostly. Yeah. So here's what I do like. I like lesson number five, which is market to new and existing podcast listeners differently, for sure. Like I teach this all the time. There are going to be some updates that you're going to put on your social media accounts that are going to be directly speaking to those people who already are your subscribers, because it's going to be a lot more personal. It's going to be like, hey, a new episode is out, you guys. It's going to be, you know, it's total insider information. You you guys are going to like laugh so much at what Jess said to Elsie about the goats. Like that kind of stuff is super insider. It's super like nobody's going to know who Jess and Elsie are. What are they talking about? Goats. That's weird. Like a lot of people may, maybe some people will click through, but a lot of people are just going to go like, okay, whatever. And they'll just skip it because it's not meant for them. But then there's going to be some posts that are going to be put put out there that are going to be like, did you know that we have a podcast called She Podcast? It's a podcast talking about podcasting from the women's point of view. How unusual. Right? Would you like to know more? Here's a link. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's mm-hmm. there that is not for the people that are already listeners because they already know that. That's aimed at somebody different. That's aimed to expand. 
um, your listenership to get more eyes, like Jess likes to say. So that, yes, I do believe that you do have those two different types of marketing on your account. So I definitely love that. Also, iOS and Android listeners, for sure. This is something I also teach, which is like, you can't just always be putting Apple Podcasts leading the way. Yes, they are incredibly powerful. And yes, we do have a link to that. But also Spotify people, Google Podcasts, like you have to also tell Android users where they can listen to your show. You you can't just keep using your Apple Podcast link to that. Right. There are other people that you can totally aim for. So yes, that is really good. Um, yeah. And the, everybody has their own branding when it comes to that stuff. I love number eight is probably my favorite. It says create out of home on a budget, which is like, I think what it is, it's like those um, creative billboards and public transit ads that you've been seeing for podcasts. Like, I really love that. And of course, this is what they've created for the show are those little like, you know, uh, what do you call those little coffee that is so bad for the environment. I can't believe you love this one. You nope. want somebody Dude, to listen. put their shit on cardboard and Jess. give it to everybody? Come on. Jess, <laughs> we're talking about marketing practices and whether or not they work. We're I not know. talking about how they affect you, the environment. You love okay? guerrilla marketing. and I so does everything else. It's such a giant waste so of time. So does everything else. It's sort of like saying, let's not have one sheets. Let's not have any PDFs when we're going to a conference. Let's not make go those cards, those fancy cards that podcast movement makes for the doors. I agree about the cards. But what you're talking about is coffee cup insulators. Yeah. She wants billboards and coffee cup insulators. Like that's going to increase your audience. If I have a podcast that is about perinatal mental health, mm -hmm. I would make a partnership with some women or or even hospitals or clinics or anything like that that is supporting advocacy for women's health. And I would create cards or pamphlets and make sure that they are available for them when they go in there as the podcast to be an advocate for that, especially for women who are having de depression issues before they, you know, pre and postnatal depression. That kind of uh, partnership is super, super important. I think that having handouts or postcards, again, at libraries in the children's section could do a lot to be able to get information to mothers, parenting groups, podcasts that are about reading to children, podcasts that are about guiding for teenagers or something like that. It's trying to think outside the box. Exactly, John. If I had a local podcast, let's say, okay, in this area, I'm a big Philadelphia Eagles fan, and I'm going to do a Philadelphia Eagles podcast, and I can go to our local Wawa, which is a local store where you get coffee and everything around here, and I can put my advertisement from my Eagles podcast on coffee sleeves. How many cups of coffee does Wawa serve a day? And everyone sees the ad from my podcast. And then all of them, a lot of them are Eagles fans. It's such a targeted market. Yes, for a local show, I agree with you. For okay, a local so there you show. Go. So in other words, there's different ways to market, and this could be one for a local show. It's not every... As everything in marketing, not everything fits every situation. You have to figure out the right exactly. fit. Exactly. I feel like how somehow by flattering you, I'm also insulting you at the same time. It feels like that, but it's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, like you, you are special. That's all. Well, thank you, but that still doesn't mean though that people are gonna. All I'm saying is that those cards and all and that extra guerrilla marketing worked. Okay, for me, I agree. That's all. <laughs> So, okay, just to close out for today and on earlier, we talked about come town, just something competitive in me rose up and I would love to just be on the same list as them as far as like supporters. I feel like our supporters are vast as well. And if you feel anything, I, I don't know, after this conversation, maybe you've changed your mind. But if you haven't, uh, go to shepodcast.com forward slash Patreon and please consider joining our super squad and supporting us for five dollars a month um because it really would make it we'd be able to argue like this every day if you did that and that's what really it's all about but they wouldn't we wouldn't what <laughs> argue every day we almost never ha i think it's been a long time since we've had that kind of argument haven't you when's the last time we did that elsie i don't even remember I think elsie's she left. left the she building so angry she left <laughs> what i heard the door <laughs> i know i heard the door and i'm like she ran away <laughs> that was what happened? 
that was me. She away, keeps coming Elsie. in and out. <laughs> I love you. Elsie's left the building. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Oh, I'm okay. Here. We're both begging you to end this show. <laughs> I know. I'm like, dude, just go like, okay, the end. Please. Connect with us here. You can find all our show notes at ShePodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ShePodcast. If you would like to see us in person, Elsie and I will both be at PodFest. And guess what, Elsie? We're in booths right next to each other. <laughs> That's going to be so fun. We have a booth right next to Lips, and we chose it yesterday. So I'm really, I love having a booth right next to you. It's so convenient for eating together and stuff. So we will be at PodFest. There will also be a roast of which I am taking part of. I'm very excited. So please come to PodFest. If you haven't already, PodFest, uh, what is it? PodFest. It's not PodFest.us, is it? It is. PodFestExpo.com. Try there and get your ticket. It's in Orlando. It's going to be really fun. And then we're also going to be a podcast movement. Podcast movement 2019. You can use the code SHEPODCAST for, I think, $50 off your ticket. That's also in Orlando this summer. Thank you guys so much. If you have anything you want to tell us, feedback at SHEPODCAST.com. Feel free to give us feedback on today's show. And thank you so much for listening and sticking with us today. Love you. Need it. She barely means it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>